Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. KSL's Live Mike. Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back. Yeah, you didn't think you were going to get a mango lesson today, did you? I didn't think I was going to tell two mission stories in two days. Yesterday it was the uh, Elvis Presley conspiracy theorist. Today it was the mango cuisine. Not bad. We'll see what Monday holds. Uh, right now, though, we got to talk about the CDC. The CDC has here in the past 24 hours released new guidance regarding uh, schools, specifically how schools ought to safeguard against the spread of the COVID-19 virus uh, in the classroom. The safeguards that have been placed thus far have been what? What do we know so far? Six feet of distance between the desks. That's a little bit difficult for classroom sizes, which can sometimes... Excuse me. Get up to uh, about. <laughs> did I just burp on the air? Oh, I'm sorry. That's embarrassing. Uh, classroom sizes can get up to uh, 30 students. That's a that's that's a lot. That's a lot of students. Well, the new guidance indicates that the spacing between desks in the classroom can be reduced from what has been six feet traditionally to now three feet. Three feet. Uh, additionally, uh, some of the guidance also indicates that it's no longer necessary to have those uh, those plastic dividers between the students. Well, because the the same study that demonstrated that three feet of distance was sufficient to keep uh, students and teachers safe also uh, seemed to reveal that those plastic dividers that we've seen in all the TV stories and have seen pictured uh, in the shared Facebook posts, yeah, they don't they don't help. Yeah, they're they're really not effective. You know, maybe they give us some sort of uh, placebo type comfort, but. They don't work. They uh, they don't do much to mitigate the the spread. The, the new guidance, let me read for you the new guidance, and then I want to share with you a surprising detail having to do with uh, where, where those recommendations originated or where the studies were conducted that first led to this new guidance. Again, three feet of distance required between students, no longer the sixth, which has been uh, implemented for some time now. Uh, The new guidance removes recommendations for plastic shields or other barriers between desks. The study says, quote, we don't have a lot of evidence of their effectiveness in preventing transmission. That's a researcher involved in this uh, CDC guidance. So uh, it continues. 
The guidance advises at least three feet of space between desks in elementary schools, even in towns and cities where community spread is high. And as long as the students and teachers wear masks and take other precautions, uh, that spacing can endure. So that's elementary schools. Now, what about middle and high schools? The new guidance says that spacing can also be three feet in middle and high schools, so long as there's not a high level of spread in the community. Now, what it doesn't do is define high level of spread. Uh, And so it may be left to the local health jurisdictions to define high level. Uh, And, you know, I think, well, I, I shouldn't speculate, but in the past, uh, the high level had been 5% uh, plus in the you know percent positivity rate, uh, but but we don't know. Uh, in, in this case, we don't know the, that there is a uniform definition of high level of spread. But anyway, the big news is three feet, uh, elementary, middle, and high school. Uh, if if students and teachers wear masks and take other precautions, those other precautions, uh, what they have. The, the way those other precautions are being uh, characterized and defined, at least within the guidance, this new guidance from the CDC, it is uh, limiting extracurriculars. It is also limiting uh, or at least uh, cutting back on movement within the school building itself. So if you can keep students in a single classroom for uh, you know longer than you know was was more normal before uh, you know before COVID showed up, that aids in the spread of the virus. Now, how do we know this? You heard uh, earlier in the initial newscast that revealed these new CDC guidelines that it is after uh, much study in the school setting. Okay, but where are those settings? It turns out, and I'm not learning this until just this morning as I uh, you know, opened up this new guidance and I saw uh, reference made in an Associated Press article to some of the studies. One of the studies took place right here in the state of Utah. Right here in the state of Utah. Yeah, uh, I've got it right here in front of me. Uh, A study conducted between December and January looked at uh, a number of of things. It uh, it focused on elementary schools, 20 K-6 schools uh, here in the state of Utah during a time of high community transmission. Now, in in Utah... Uh, that's over a hundred cases per one thousand persons uh, over the past seven days. So that's a, you know kind of a, a clunky definition, but it is the uh, the quantifiable and objective look at that definition. High community transmission, twenty K through six schools here in Utah. Uh, ultimately, the finding was this: that in school settings where the median distance between desks was three feet. The findings indicated a very low in-school transmission rate. That uh, that rate was under one point one percent, point seven percent. The way it worked was this: uh, we, we, amongst those twenty schools, fifty-one individuals, uh, a combination of students and staff, forty students and eleven staff, were identified to have tested positive for COVID nineteen. The contact tracing was then executed, and it was just over a 1,000 individuals, both teachers and students, were found to have been in contact with those 51 uh, individuals. Again, a combination of students and staff. And so those 1,000 people, those uh, who were identified as having been in contact via the contact tracing, were offered uh, testing. 
immediately. Uh, of that thousand, there were about 735 that accepted uh, a test. The rest just quarantined or, or, or just stayed uh, you know, out of sight somehow, but didn't participate in the testing. 735 of those did. So remember, we're talking about 735 individuals who, uh, again, a mixture of students and teachers and staff, 735 individuals came in direct contact with 51 positive cases of COVID-19. When all was said and done, how many of those 735 tested positive? Take a shot in the dark. Just guess. 735 had direct contact with a COVID-positive patient. How many of them in the school setting contracted the, the coronavirus? Actually, let me back up. How many contracted the COVID virus for any reason? The answer you think maybe 100, 735 tested, uh, all of them had contact with, uh, uh, with a COVID-positive case? Would you say maybe 100? No, no. 50? No, no. Lower. 25? Nope, still lower. 12 of the 735 individuals in, uh, spread amongst 20 Utah schools where the distance between the desks was three feet. Only 12 of them tested positive. And get this, it get these, and I'm sorry I'm vomiting a bunch of numbers at you, uh, but if you follow along, the story that it tells is really one that should be leading us to opening the doors of schools pretty wide and letting the kids get back to learning, and not two or three days a week, but five, as has been forever the effective, time-tested, proven way to learn. Uh, for the majority of students, I know we've had some uh, some conversations about full-time remote learning. That's good for some, uh, and I'm glad that that resource is available to them. Wouldn't have been good for me, all right? Uh, I needed to be in the classroom five days a week. Of the 12 who tested positive, I told you these numbers get even more interesting. Seven, seven of them picked it up elsewhere. Seven people picked up their coronavirus uh, from home or outside the school somehow, and only five Five of the 728 uh, individuals who had direct contact with the coronavirus uh, ultimately became infected through contact that they had in the school, 0.7%. That data was compiled, collected, sent over to the CDC. And what happened next? The CDC put out some guidance that said, you know what, maybe three feet of distance between uh, these school-age kids is okay. And you know what, those plastic barriers, that uh, they ought to come down too. And that's all because of some studies done right here in the state of Utah. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're marching ever closer to a return to normalcy. It also reiterates the, the, the ease with which we can get students back in the classroom. I, one, last, one last data point I'll throw at you. Uh, here in the state of Utah, while there are hybrid models, uh, everyone can get into the classroom. Across the country, that's only true in 18%. 18% of students are back in the classroom right now full-time across this country. Studies here in Utah are going to make that number grow even larger. Good stuff. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless and I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, 
the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.